Well, again, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Uh, today, I wanted to do something a little different, a little special, and uh, you're in for a little treat. Um, I'm not a mother. I don't pretend to be a mother. I don't understand mothers completely. There are things about mothers that blow my mind. I don't understand how you do as much as you do and pull off things that you pull off. Um, and while I'm not a mother and don't completely understand mothers, I have an incredible mother. And my mother is a mother of all mothers. And this morning, I wanted you to hear from her. And she's agreed to come and share God's word with us and preach for us. And I wanted to say a few things about my mom before she comes. My mom has been, like a lot of your moms and like a lot of you moms, that authority figure in my life that has pushed me into places that I would not have gone if it were not for her. Two quick stories. I remember when I was playing basketball as a 10-year-old, and uh, I wouldn't shoot a left-handed layup. That seems silly, but my mom, at a practice in front of all my friends, basically forced me to shoot a left-handed layup. It was the first time I ever tried and I was literally in tears. I was a little sissy. I'm sorry. She forced me to do a left-handed layup, embarrassing me in front of all my teammates. She was kind of that voice that was like, you're going to try this even if you miss it. If you don't shoot that left-handed layup, you're going to have issues when we get home. And I tried it, and I could shoot left-handed layups after some time. Now, fast forward to when I was 22 years old and took a position as a student pastor at a church outside of Athens, four years, I mean, four months into my first ever ministry full-time position. Uh, and some things were happening in the church. The pastor was asked to leave. There was some church drama, as we like to call it. And I was ready to call it quits. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't understand it. I didn't know people in churches could act like this toward one another. And I was done with it. And I called my parents, and I spoke to my mom, and I said, you know, I just, this just isn't for me, and I'm done. And it was my mom that pushed me, and she said, son, did God call you to do this, or did you choose this? And I said, well, he called you. And she said, is he calling you to leave, or are you deciding to leave? And it was one of those moments in my life that just weighed heavy on me and really changed the trajectory of my life and helped me understand the persistence to the call of God on my life. I could say a million things about how incredible she is. She's extremely selfless, the most selfless person I've ever known, and uh, she's got a lot that she's going to share with us today. And uh, I've already warned her to be careful what she says because I will get the microphone back next week, so just let that be another warning. But would you do me a great favor this morning and help me honor my mom by putting your hands together as she comes. Good morning. Bronson told me, um, I said, oh, man, I forgot my tissues. He said, um, preachers don't cry, Mom. And I was like, oh, my, if you know me. So if I cry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bronson. Um, it's a, it is a, a great honor, a great privilege to stand here. Uh, thank you, Bronson. Um, it's an honor to know. It, it's a great Mother's Day gift to know that you trust me to stand here, especially with everything that I know about you. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful seeing all of the pictures of all the beautiful moms in our church? I just, it was just amazing. Um, I couldn't really find a recent picture of both of my kids. Um, I noticed Bronson posted an ugly picture of us, but uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with that. But I did find a picture of both of my boys. 
And if that's okay, I'd like to just share that picture with you now because I am proud of them. If y'all could just put that picture up now. Moms, wouldn't you really? Isn't that something to be proud of? <laughs> yeah. All kidding aside, I'm very, very proud of my children. I'm proud of Bronson. They're both living their lives for the Lord. They're both pastoring Bronson here at Synergy and Brian at Torch South in Florida. Um, and so I'm blessed. I'm a very blessed mother. I'm also blessed to have icing on the cake and be a grandmommy. <laughs> I love being a grandmommy. We have grandmommies in the room. Yeah, they're precious. Yay. Our grandson, Landon, he's five. Uh, a lot of you know him. He's kind of going through this why stage. You know the, that stage? I remember when my boys went through it. It's, you know, why this? Why that? Why does that happen? You know, why? Some of those questions are easy to, under, you know, easy to answer. Some of them are hard. <laughs> you don't, you know, you, you kind of have to go places you really don't, aren't ready to go yet. So <laughs> the other day I was on the couch snuggling with Landon and he looked down at my belly. He said, Grandmommy, why's your belly so big? <laughs> he said, do you have a baby in your tummy too? <laughs> I said, no, Landon, Grandmommy just eats too much. So... All you men out there who have a little tummy on you, you better be, you better be careful around Landon because he might ask you why your tummy's so big. Um, but then he kind of made up for it. He asked another question. Um, you see, as you grow older, uh, you kind of get what my dermatologist calls wisdom spots. Um, I like that name. Uh, it's just these old dark age spots. I don't know if any of you have those yet, but anyway, they're not very pretty. Um, but it's not much you can do about them. And so he was looking, you know, at my belly, and then he kind of looked at my arms, and he saw those spots, and he said, Grandmommy, why do you have chocolate chips on your arms? <laughs> oh, I loved that. <laughs> I said, because I'm so sweet, Landon. I said, isn't that right, brother? I'm so sweet. <laughs> they are very, very precious. Um, that kind of brings me to what I want to talk to you about today. Um, I want to, the, the why question. I think we've all asked that question before. Why? Why is this happening to me? Why do I, what did I do to deserve this? Why, why is it my life that has to be falling apart? Just why? Um, so it encourages us and to challenge us. I want to look at a particular mom in the Bible this morning. She asked this very same question. Her name is Rebecca. Her story is told in the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at four stages in Rebecca's life as a mother. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 25. If you don't, then the scripture should be on the screen behind me. Before we read Rebecca's question out of the Word, I want to kind of bring you up to speed of where we are and how Rebecca got to this place in her life. Rebecca was the daughter-in-law of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was a special man. He was called of God. And it was through Abraham's lineage that the Savior of the world would come. He was given the promise that he would be uh, given descendants as many as the stars in the sky and that he would be, bring blessing to all the nations on the earth. But Abraham and Sarah, they had a problem. For many years, Sarah was barren. In fact, many, many years. <laughs> Finally, after a, a long ordeal that we really don't have time to get into this morning, Sarah did get pregnant. 
and their son Isaac was born. Now Isaac was the first of those many, many descendants promised to Abraham by God. When Isaac grew old enough to take a wife, and actually he was 40, so guys, you've got to be 40 to be old enough to take a wife. He, Abraham and Sarah knew that his bride had to be a special woman. Isn't that what we all want for our children? Even when we're small, we're, we're dreaming about the wives and the husbands that our kids will have, and we want them to be the special one, the perfect one. Abraham and, and uh, Sarah were no different. Uh, but back then, Abraham and Sarah got to choose the spouse. Wouldn't that be fun, guys? <laughs> um, so through this great search, through this process, they proved uh, that uh, Rebecca was the perfect wife for Isaac. She was chosen. She was very beautiful. She was morally pure. She was God's perfect match. She was hardworking, very gen- generous, very humble. And Rebecca was exactly what Isaac needed to make his life, to make himself as a man, be complete with the purpose that God had for him. She submitted herself completely, totally to the Lord's will. She left her father and her mother. She moved far away from their home. And she agreed to marry a man she had never met. Now that would be fun. Um, Rebecca did everything that God wanted her to do. She trusted God. She became the bride of Isaac. And it was a perfect match. Because Rebecca loved Isaac. And Isaac loved Rebecca. So, so far, her life seems really, really good. She's in a really good place. She's in the center of God's will. She's happily married to a man that loves her. She's part of the covenant, the great promise that God has given to Abraham. And then things seem to fall apart. I want us to take a look. That's where we're going to go to Scripture. At where Rebecca is 20 years later. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. We're going to read the first part of it. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Rebecca, after 20 years, was childless. She was barren. No babies. This brings her to the first stage that we're going to talk about, and that's that Rebecca despaired. Don't you know that Rebecca was distraught, that Rebecca was confused, that she was asking this why question. Lord, I left my father and mother. I did what you called me to do. I married a man I didn't know, and it's been 20 years. I know, yes, Lord, that Isaac loves me. I love him, but I want to be a mother. Why? Why, Lord? I'm tired of disappointing my husband every month when I find out I'm not pregnant. Why, Lord? Why is this happening to me? It's been 20 years. I don't understand. How can I even do my part of the covenant if I can't get pregnant? Why, God? Why, Lord? I know that we've all been there asking the why question. I know that there are some ladies in this room right now who are trying to have a baby. Because I pray for them. And they're waiting. They're waiting on God to bless them. But it's not just about getting pregnant. It's about other things. It applies to all of us. There are men and women, students here today, that God has called them 
to a special purpose. They're living for the Lord. You're doing the right things. You're, you're working really hard at what God has called you to do, and it just doesn't seem to be working. There's just, and you say, why? Why, do, why is it hard, Lord? So let's go back to the verse, and let's see what happened next. Genesis 25, 21 again says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Wow. Isaac prayed, and Rebekah became pregnant. You want to know my first thoughts when I read that? I think I would have just slapped him. Like, why didn't you pray for me, like, before? <laughs> you know? I don't know why it took so long. Um, but I want to ask you, husband, something. Do you pray for your wife? Do you look at your wife and do you see this precious gift that God has given you? And do you pray for her? Do you know that she is a superwoman? Bronson said he didn't quite understand how we all put everything together and how every, because we do so much, we're a wife, a mother, a homemaker a moneymaker, a helpmate, and the list goes on and on. Do you look at your wife and see her in that stressful load, and do you pray for her on a regular basis? And wives, let me ask you a question. Do you ask your husband to pray for you? I do. I ask Gary to pray for me. Don't I, Gary? I ask him to pray for me all the time. Gary, my head hurts. Will you pray for me? I mean, he, bless his heart. <laughs> But the prayers of a good man, the prayers of a good man. Ask your husband to pray for you. I don't know why Rebecca and Isaac had to wait 20 years. One commentator said that God wanted them to pray, wanted them to seek him for that promised seed so that they wouldn't just consider it as just another pregnancy that just happened because it was a normal act of nature, but that it was truly a gift, a grace gift from God. We see that a lot too. God often prefaces an exceptional work of grace with an exceptional difficulty. He, it's through difficulty that God works in us so he can work through us. He changes anguish into anticipation. He changes despair into hope. He stretches us sometimes for years to get us where we need to be so that he can work through us and accomplish his purpose and so that we'll recognize that we couldn't do it. He does it through us. That brings us to the second stage of Rebecca's life. Rebecca suffered Genesis 25:22 says, "The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, "Why is this happening to me?" So she went to inquire of the Lord. Rebecca had a hard pregnancy. It was terrible. She felt this unusual amount of movement in her womb, as if this wrestling match was going on. Now I remember being pregnant a long time ago. <laughs> And I remember that really miracle of feeling the kicking and the pushing and the uncomfortableness. 
But this was different. This was not normal. This was a, what was happening inside of her was far from normal. The, the Hebrew word for jostled here means oppressed, splintered, crushed, bruised, smashed to pieces. In other words, it was more like a kickboxing match going on inside of her. And it was painful. It was uncomfortable. And Rebecca really thought that something was wrong. She was in pain. She didn't understand. She may have even thought that she was going to lose the baby. So she went to the Lord and she said, Why is this happening to me? We waited such a long time. You blessed us with a baby. And why is this so painful? Why is this so hard? Let's look at God's answer. Verse 23, the same chapter. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the other will serve the younger. Wow. Rebecca just found out that she was pregnant with twins. And they were fighting already. My goodness. <laughs> now, if you have more than one child, especially if they're close in age, you know all about sibling fighting and sibling rivalry, don't you? Yeah, overall, my boys were pretty good about not trying to kill each other. But there is one fight in particular that I remember quite well. Brian is almost two years older than, Brian, uh, than Bronson. And they were just hitting their teenage years. Um, in the younger years, Brian was bigger than Bronson. And Bronson, uh, he pushed Bronson around quite a bit. Um, Bronson had war wounds to, to prove it. He had a broken collarbone. He had stitches. He had scratches. You know, all that brother stuff. Well, one day, Gary and I heard this awful fight going on. And all of a sudden, Bronson comes out of his bedroom. And this is what he did. Yes! Yes! I bloodied Brian's nose! Yes! <laughs> that was a monumental day for him. <laughs> the first time that Brian, after that, kind of respected him. Now, I'm not going to say what happened to them when their daddy stepped in. <laughs> Rebecca was pregnant with twins, and they were fighting even before they were born. God told Rebecca that the struggle that she was feeling was part of the conflict between two peoples and two nations. Her sons would be divided, and that the younger son would be stronger, and the older son would serve the younger. Conflict. Basically, God was saying to her, I'm going to use you to fulfill this great promise, but it's not going to be easy. There will be a struggle in the process. The question she must have asked again, why? Why is this happening to me? It's hard, you know, it's hard to understand, and most times we don't understand the ways of God. He does amazing things for eternal purposes all the time. And when you, look, when you get down to it, and you look at the nitty-gritty of those miracles, you're probably going to find that there was a great struggle involved in that process. Suffering, 
struggling. It's hard. The good news is we have Christ. He helps us through. He helps us through the struggles so that we can accomplish the purpose that God has called us to. He brings hope. He brings peace. He brings happiness. If we just hang on. If we just hang on. So Rebecca despaired and she suffered. And then I think she grieved. Rebecca had twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first. Jacob was born second. Esau was older than, than Jacob. Um, I'm sure that Rebecca is just like any other wife, any other mother. We all ho- hope and pray that we have this wonderful, ideal marriage and that we have this great family. We want the love of our husband to grow more and more for us every day. We want our children to grow up and be men and women of God and to love each other. One big, happy family. I'm sure that Rebecca was no different. As her twin boys grew up, though, what she saw undoubtedly caused her to grieve in several different ways. First, she saw her boys divide and separate from each other. They were very, very different. They were incompatible and, I'm sure, antagonistic toward one another. The Bible tells us that Esau grew up to be a skillful hunter, a man of the country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. God had warned Rebekah that they would separate, but don't you know that she grieved for her children? As a mom, I can't even imagine Brian and Bronson being at odds with one another, not loving each other, not wanting to be family, going their separate ways in their life. They talk every week. They talk about their churches, their brothers. I can't imagine it being any different. I'm sure that Rebecca grieved. Look at verse 28. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Another reason that grief came to Rebekah, it was brought by favoritism for position. Now, I can't imagine loving one of my children more than the other. I'm not sure any mother could do that. But it seems that it really did happen in this family. The father and the mother both seemed guilty. Now, I think... We could probably just blame the man. We'll just blame Isaac. (laughs) The old saying, a way to a man's heart's through his stomach. Well, Esau grew up to hunt, and he could bring in the food. And I'm sure that they hunted together and ate wild game together and spent a lot of time together. So maybe Rebecca just felt sorry for Jacob because all of Isaac's attention went to Esau. So Jacob became her favorite. Or maybe she knew that God's eternal plan and promise was to come through the line of Jacob so that she loved him more. In her mind, Jacob represented good and Esau represented bad. After all, didn't God say that there would be a struggle? For whatever reason, though, it happened. That favoritism, this had to cause problems in the marriage. They had to disagree on a lot of things about their kids. Now, if we admit it, there's many times that mom and dad don't always agree about the children, right? 
I used to, uh, when, when our boys was growing up, our biggest difference, I guess, was discipline. Now, I believe in discipline. You've got to discipline your kids. Um, but I used to think that Gary was too hard. Now, don't get me wrong, I can be pretty tough myself. Um, but when they knew that Dad was taking charge, there was a difference in their reaction. And sometimes it caused problems between us. So I can imagine that there was turmoil in their marriage because of Isaac, uh, Isaac loving Esau and Rebecca loving Jacob. And, in, and then, to top it all off, in the, in the middle of that favoritism, Rebecca did something that, she, that was just crazy. She concocted this scheme for Jacob to obtain the blessing that was due to Esau because he was the oldest. The father always blessed the oldest of every family. And so, um, but Rebecca knew that the promise of God was coming through Jacob, through the lineage of him. And so, um, she knew that Isaac loved Esau, and she wanted Jacob to have the blessing. So they concocted this scheme to pretend that, they were, that he was uh, Esau, and they stole, actually did steal the blessing. I guess she thought that maybe God needed some help. Do you know that God doesn't need our help? The truth is, when we try to step in the middle of God's plan and, and help Him, that we generally just make a mess of things. As a mother, I'm really guilty of this. I try to fix everything for my kids, for my grandkids. Don't, don't we all do that, moms? Um... If they need something, I want to make sure they have it. A lot of times, if they don't need it, I want to make sure they have it. If somebody bullies, bullies them, don't we step up and say, mm-mm, that's not going to happen again. You know, that saying, you can mess with me, but you're not going to mess with my children. <laughs> we want them to have the best of the best. We want them to make the right choices. And a lot of times, we make the choices for them. We do their chores for them. We do their homework for them. We spoil them. If they need money, we just give them money. We spoil them rotten. Guilty. The heart of a mother, I guess. And I'm, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things at times, guys. But God spoke to me clearly one time about this. I was praying for a, a situation and... I was like, God, if you would just give it to me, I could help them. I, I, could, I could give it to them. If you would just, you know, show me how to fix it, I'll fix it. And the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said to me. It was clear as day. And he said, Kathy, when you keep fixing things for your children, you're getting in my way. How can they learn to trust me for what they need if you're always providing it? Ouch. So, I try to restrain. <laughs> I really do. I teach my boys and my grandchildren to trust God for He can provide for them. He loves them much more than I do. And He can provide for them and He can teach them through difficult things that we don't like to see them going through. But we have to let them go through it. So he can mold them for his purpose. 
God didn't need Rebecca's help. It, and, and I know. Don't you know it made, made things just so much worse when Isaac realized that Rebecca had helped Jacob steal Esau's blessing? It had to call just strife and turmoil in the family. Thirdly, I think the, probably the most grievous thing that Rebecca did and, and grieved for was watching Esau disregard the blessings of God in, in his life. As Esau grew up, not only did he disregard, disregard the blessings of God, he despised them. He didn't want anything to do with God. He went against all the teachings of God. He lived his life married to pagan uh, women of pagan tribes, not godly women, not godly ways, just doing his own thing, disregarding the Lord. That had to be hard for Rebecca. For her son to disregard the Lord is hard enough, but then she watched her grandchildren grow up in a pagan nation. Had to grieve her heart. And I'm sure she probably asked again, Why, Lord? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Have I failed? There are probably mothers here today and fathers that feel the very same way and ask that same question. You've brought up your children to know God? Do you know that bringing your children up to know God is the only chance they have? It is up to us to, to bring our children to church, to show them the ways of God, to let them see that in your life, not to come and drop them off and expect the church people to teach them. It is up to the parent. It is up to the mother. Rebecca did that. And sometimes we can do that. And we can do everything. God, I've done everything. I showed him the way. Why would Esau not live for you? Why is my son not living for you? Why is my daughter gone astray? Sometimes, you know, I, what our job is, is to just do that. To bring them up in the ways. Because there's a promise in the Bible that says, if you bring them up to know him, to know his ways, that they'll return to that. And it's a promise that you can stand up. Will they go out and do bad things? You know, we don't have any control of what they do. They, ha they get old enough to make their own decisions. But I, under I could understand the grief, and the pain. But let me tell you this. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. I don't want any mother here to, to think that they have failed because they have a child that's not serving the Lord. It is not. You just pray, and you just watch God. God has the last word. God has the last word. Rebecca's story began with all these happy Things. She was doing everything right, and she got married, and they loved each other, and it was great. And then it just, it seemed to sort of just go to all this despair, all this distress. All her promises seemed to drift away, but that's not really the way it was, because I want us to look at how Be Rebecca is remembered. Let's go to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Not only that, 
But Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Now, that was kind of a hard verse for me to understand. Romans is a hard book for me. But anyway, let me, let me tell you what, that, what he's saying. Basically, Paul is saying this. God chose Rebecca, and he blessed her with twins. Even before they were born, God knew Jacob and God knew Esau. And he knew that Jacob was going to be the one that had the heart for him. So he chose Jacob to fulfill the promise to Abraham, to have the descendants, all the way to a man named Jesus, who was the Savior of the world. So Rebecca was called for this great purpose of being a mother. She was a chosen instrument in God's plan. She fulfilled her purpose. We're just like Rebecca. Before we're born, God has a purpose for us. Every one of us. He has something for you to do, for me to do. He wants, first of all, he wants all of us to know him, to accept him, to love him. But then he wants us to live for him. He wants us to serve him. He wants to, he has something for us to do to glorify his name and to help others know him and love him. But just like the struggle that was inside of Rebecca, there's a struggle there. On one side of us, there's this sin nature. We're all born with it. We're all... um, We're all born with the nature to make bad choices, so to speak. And it's a voice inside of us that sometimes says, um, you don't need God. You can do it on your own. God can't love you. You've done too much. You're too bad. You're too messed up. You can't do anything for God. You're not capable. So there's this struggle. On the other side, there's this voice. And it's the Holy Spirit. And he says to you, I love you. I love you so much that I'm calling you. God loved you so much that he sent, he loves all of us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And he's saying, I gave my child for you. The struggle, the struggle. You don't have to do this on your own. I'll be there to help you. So so we have this struggle inside of us. Just a few weeks ago, a dear lady, a sweet person in this church came to me. Tears running down her face. She'd just given her life to Jesus. And you know what she said to me? These were her words. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm giving it all to him. That's what she said. (laughs) 
awesome. But there's a struggle. And I think the struggle, the hardest part of the struggle is just making the choice. We, we think we can't do it. But it's a struggle. In the year 1998, I had one of these, why is this happening to me, experiences that changed my life. Sorry, Brunson. My mother died that year of cancer. I had a beautiful mother. Her name was Dorothy Faye Walters. She'd suffered many, many years. She was in bad health, and toward the end of all of that, we had to place her in a nursing home. That was one of the worst decisions that I had ever had to make. I'd go by and I'd see my mama every, every day, almost every day. One day I was at work and I received a phone call. And they told me that I needed to get to the nursing home soon. That my mom had taken a turn for the worse. When I got there, they basically said, you have two choices. Your mother's dying. You can leave her here. Moving her will be very painful. Or you could take her to the hospital, and she may live a few days longer. What do you want to do? Well, I have three brothers and a sister, but they were all at least two hours away. So I had a choice that I had to make by myself. So I called my um, best friend, who was an ICU nurse, and I said, please come look at my mother. So she did, and she came and she said, Kathy, your mom's dying. And I said, what would you do if it was your mama? She said, I wouldn't put her through the pain of moving her. So I didn't. I chose to leave mother there in the nursing home. Four days later, she died. Losing your mama is hard. After the funeral, I began having these thoughts, this voice. I kept hearing this voice in my head, and it, and it would say, you could have saved your mother. You're a horrible daughter. You let your mother die. Repeatedly, constantly, telling me how awful I was. I couldn't sleep. I cried most of the time. Well, this went on for several weeks. It was a very difficult time. Now, you may not believe what I'm about to tell you, and it's okay if you don't, but it's true. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone about my, the voices in my head except Gary. I considered myself to be a strong Christian. I knew those voices weren't from the, Lord, from the Lord. But yet, I was allowing them to get in my spirit. And I fell into uh, depression. One Sunday evening, I was at church. And I was in the altar praying. And all of a sudden, I get this tap on my shoulder. And it's a young woman in our church. 
And this is what she said to me. She said, um, I really don't know why I'm telling you this, but God told me to tell you that you are a good daughter and that you made the right choice. Now, I had not told anybody. I know that was God. Immediately, I had a vision. And I saw my mother. She was beautiful. She was standing in a field of red flowers. I don't know what kind of flowers. They were not like flowers I've seen before. And the brilliant color of red was not like anything I've ever seen. I can't even describe it to you. But she was in the middle of this field. My mother's favorite color was red. And she loved flowers. We spent hours and hours keeping up her flower beds, even after she got sick that she couldn't do it. I looked over and I saw trees. Oh my gosh, the the brilliance of the trees is just incredible. And I don't know how to describe the color except to say there was these, the, the leaves were just blowing and it was like these little sparkly leaves. I don't know. It was just awesome. My mother had rheumatoid arthritis along with her cancer and her hands were crippled. My mama (laughs) was so beautiful. She was in a white gown in the middle of that red field, and this was what she was doing. I kind of think I get that from my mama. (laughs) This is what she was doing, praising the Lord. There was this bright, 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 bright light. And I knew that I hadn't made the wrong decision. That my mama was in the right place and she was beautiful and there was no way. If I could have brought her back, there's no way she'd have come back from where she was. She was just absolutely gorgeous. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I know that in that great cloud of witnesses is my mama. And I believe on this Mother's Day that she's looking down and she's saying, I'm proud of Kathy. I'm proud of you, Bronson. And that she's rooting us on. And she wants us to allow God to fulfill the purpose for our lives. You have those loved ones too. There are men and women here I know who have loved ones, who have mothers that are with Jesus. And they're rooting you on. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I only know that you know what your relationship with Jesus is. But I want to encourage you. Let let Jesus in. Accept the Lord. I'm going to ask the band if they could just come on back. I can't really think of any greater gift 
on Mother's Day than to receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to be a mother to receive it. (laughs) What a blessing it would be for a mother to see a son, a daughter, come to know Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you know that the Lord's your Savior. But you haven't really said yes to allowing God to fulfill his purpose in your life. Maybe you're in that stage where times are tough. You're asking that question, why is this happening to me? Maybe you're struggling with something or you're suffering in your marriage or could be divorce or sickness, financial crisis, loneliness, depression. The struggles of life are many. Please know that God has a promise in his word that in him you can have peace. In the midst of all those things, you can know without a doubt that God will take every bad thing in your life and he will use it to mold you, to give you character, to get you to a place that he can use you for his purpose. You might say, well, that's too hard. It's too, it's too rough. I just can't do it. But it's not really, y'all. Not in Christ. Your strength is in Christ. The band's going to play a song called In Christ Alone. I love this song. There's a, the part, my favorite, that says... Uh, I find my strength, I find my hope, I find my help in Christ alone. When fear assails, when darkness falls, I find my peace in Christ alone. When they begin to play the song, I want you just to remain seated until you hear the Lord speak to you. I've asked God to speak to you. And I know he will. You'll know when he speaks to you, I just want you to stand up. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to come running to you. But when you hear God speak to you, just stand up. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, today's a great day. A great day to stand up and say, I want to receive Christ. If you know him and you really truly feel God saying to you, uh, you know, I want to fulfill my purpose in you, and you're willing to do that, to allow God to work in you, stand up. You'll know when. If you're standing, would you remain standing for a minute? Um, Man, proud of you, first of all, Mom. Thanks for that. You know... I think so many times we live in this mythical Christian world that if we're living for Jesus, there's no struggle, everything's perfect. But the truth is that so many times the very answers to God's prayers for our life come with a struggle, comes with suffering. 
It's part of the price we pay to follow Jesus. And I want you to know, for whatever reason you're standing today, maybe today for the first time you want to place your faith in Jesus, maybe you're going through a difficult situation and you're choosing today to stand in Christ, here in the power of Christ I stand, that no matter what situation or circumstance that you face, there is nothing that can break you in Christ. And I want to pray for us before we end our time together that as we stand together this morning, that Jesus would see his purpose through in our life. And as we wait and stand through the pain and through the struggle, that out of that will be birthed the blessing. Lord, thank you for every man, every woman, every student that's standing in this room today. Father, you see the reason they're standing. You see the struggle that they're facing whether they're surrendering their life to you for the first time or they're asking the question, why is this happening to me? And they don't understand the struggle. May you, through the power of Christ alone, see them through this situation. And may this struggle turn into a blessing because they are persistent to stand in you alone. It's not in our strength. It's not in our ability. It's not in our talents. It's not by works. There's nothing that we can do outside of you to see your purpose fulfilled in our life. And so this morning we surrender wholly to you and ask you to fulfill your purpose through us and see us through the struggle that we might celebrate the victory that you have in store for us. And I pray blessings even now that you would lift burdens, that you would bring freedom, that you would bring peace and wholeness to every circumstance represented in this room. And for that we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray together. Everyone said... Amen.